Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Canadian Premier League Newsroom Podcast. I'm Christian Jack. Headlines from this weekend's games include York find the right answers as Lowell wins it late in Halifax. Edmonton's Twin Towers stand tall. That's right, Ongaro and Wachewski rescue a point at Pacific. Forge look back at their banners and step forward with an important win over Atletico Ottawa. And Mo for momentum as Farsi's goal over Valor is enough for Cavalry to win at home again. Joining me again is my newsroom team. Busy week in the Canadian Premier League. Uh, lads, we'll recap that. We'll go from top to bottom with the teams playing out many games this week. Many of them playing two games uh, this week. But before we do that, we must address the women's team winning gold in Tokyo. What a splendid performance. What a monumental moment for the soccer in this country. Uh, where to start let's go with benedict we have to go to our resident <laughs> correspondent when he's decked out again in his steph larvae headband benedict your overall thoughts on covering this team and uh, it culminating in a gold medal yeah same before we started it's still a little bit hard to believe that it happened right like you mentioned it's a monumental moment in, in canadian soccer i think it's a win that's going to change the sport in this country forever i think that's an understatement and and uh, to, to do it in the way they did as well, of course, in a dramatic penalty shootout, it doesn't get better than that. And it's nice, nice to see a team I support went on penalties for a change. Amen <laughs> to that. Uh, Marty, <laughs> your thoughts overall on this? It's, uh, it's, it's a just result at the end of the day, considering how hard um, all of these people have worked to make this program what it is over the last 10 years. Obviously, all of the heartbreak. It's just the one result in Canadian soccer. We've had a bunch in the last couple of years of, you know, this this monumental monumental achievement, but this one feels, you know, the most virtuous, if that makes any sense. Certainly does. Charlie. Yeah, it's uh it's incredible. I I mean, I'm gonna be honest, I wasn't actually super optimistic about this team heading into the the tournament because they hadn't looked awesome in, in all of their their friendlies. They were struggling to score, but you know, they, they did it. This is a very hardworking team, a team that clearly was, was very engaged and, and buying into to Bev Priestman's uh, kind of system. And, and it, it just worked out. And I, I still can't really believe it, to be honest. Yeah, a little bit of disbelief on my end as well. Uh, Brady, you're out in Halifax from coast to coast. This has been an enormous story. 4.4 million was the number that CBC reported as viewers uh, to see the gold medal find, uh, the gold medal uh, be won at, a, a, at that time. What's been like there? What's your overall thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I had the opportunity to watch it with, with a group of strangers, and, and I warned them, like, I, I might cry. And I don't want to make you uncomfortable. I'm going to give you a little <laughs> bit of a heads up. And it was close. It was 50-50. I... Watching that that penalty shootout was was so entirely stressful. There was two or three moments where it looked like it was over, to be honest, and, and Sweden had wrapped it up. And that's what you want from a final, isn't it? And like like Benedict said, it's just nice to be on the right side of it for a change. Yeah, I, I think when was it Car Benedict? You know, was it Caroline Sager who came up and could score? I thought it was done. I'm not going to lie. I thought at that point of all the optimism, I'm sure many Canadians thought of that as well. It's, you know, she had the gold medal on her boot. She's an experienced player. I mean, there's no Christine Sinclair, but there's a Swedish Christine Sinclair. That's her, and she blasts it over the bar. Uh, at that point, I was like, whoa, maybe sometimes you just think maybe your name's on the trophy, so to speak. Maybe your name's on the medal. And that's when Canada I felt like, wow, they could do this. And I was just delighted for Julia Grosso to get the goal and uh, to get it home. But yeah, nothing better than penalty shootout, lads. I know people hate them, but I love them. Well, then, see, I, at, that, at that point, three missed penalties from Canada. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's over. 
It was yeah. a very dramatic shootout. There were a lot of yes. a lot of misses. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. They're the best ones, I think. Sometimes. I mean, I know yeah. everyone loves to keep scoring, keep scoring. Like the Europa League final, you know, gets down to like the goalies <laughs> at the end, and everyone yeah. scored still. But for me, the back and forth momentum that that that's that, that that's the best. But no, special times. Great to see many of them in the closing ceremony as well. Uh, safe travels back home, as I'm sure they're already doing. And uh, yeah, this is just the start. We'll all continue to be part of the process and telling the story of these wonderful women and what they did a great job out in Tokyo. So congratulations to them. I know it made a big impact to Canadian soccer and it conti- it will because we were involved in many of the press conferences this past weekend where everyone's talking about them. It just feels good about it. Uh, and, you know, Canadians Premier League is right there in terms of flying the flag with this, with this country. So uh, with the sport, let's get into it. Pacific top the table, 21 points from 11 games. Uh, we're going to go from top to bottom awesome this week we'll recap games that way but because many teams played two i think it's the best way to really talk about these teams a little bit in detail pacific with a really good week 2-1 win over valor and a come from behind victory there uh, in that one and then 2-2 against edmonton uh, where they let two goals slip but did make eight changes so i suppose pacific four points from six in the cold light of day marty run upon reflection will be happy although pa madukar wasn't necessarily delighted after the match yeah, I, I, after the FC Edmonton match, she just said the results slipped away, which is <clears throat> which is um, is fair considering how they really did dominate play. Alan Koch suggests, I know we'll talk about Edmonton a bit, but he suggested the wind was a bit of a factor in the second half, trying to make it feel like it was a tale of two halves when, you know, in reality, Pacific deserved to get the result. You mentioned the rotation, uh, Chris Lee coming in at fullback and Kunle Dataluko had a great game. Uh, on on the right side until a couple defensive errors led to those goals. Um, yeah, I mean that's what happens when the twin towers get involved. You just lo- you just you just give up points. You just give up points. So. Yeah, they 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 will. I know we're going to get Edmonton too, but there's going to be a lot of cross promotion here in terms of talking about different teams and cross storylines. Yeah, this is a tough team to play against. Yes. you know, and you know Pacific of at some points have looked really good defensively. Um, but, you know, Edmonton are going to give you a different profile of a match than any other team in the Canadian Premier League. Wolszewski and Ongaro again played, again scored. Uh, and so I guess with a, with that kind of lineup, maybe, you know, Pacific took a little bit of a risk. But at the same time, it looked like it was going to go well for them. I'll have to say this, Charlie, I'll turn to you. When they made eight changes and suddenly they're up and cruising, I'm like, this is a message. This is a this is a message mm-hmm. sent right here. Yeah. You can make that many yeah. changes in this league and deliver a performance like that, and they're up two 0 uncomfortable. Now they didn't win the game, so that may, maybe is a little bit less of a statement, but it still speaks to something about their depth that other teams cannot produce right now. Yeah, I think so. I don't think there's really many other teams in the league that could feel that different a team and still, you know, look like themselves, at least for for you know an hour of the game. Right, and. I, I think I think it is impressive, and maybe the reason you do see them sort of fade towards the end there is because all of the depth that they can usually call on is already on the pitch, and a lot of the you know the the players that might have started in other games, maybe they're a little tired. They they kind of they're they're feeling like they're going to have maybe the night off, and and some of these players that start every game, it's a little harder for them to get involved off the bench, right? Yeah. Um. So I I think it is kind of it's still really a very impressive thing for Pacific to do. And I think even though they didn't end up with the win, I think they probably did still send a bit of a message here, just especially with the way they come out in that game and and, and just dominate for so long. And I mean, if they can kind of nail this down and see out games like that, mm-hmm. and Pacific becomes, you know, the team that can field two entirely different teams on, on a weekend and a midweek, uh, that'll be something that most teams can't do. 
and it'll really go a long way towards you know long-term success because obviously the games get really bunched up the fixture congestion there's not a lot of downtime between games so if that's something that they're able to come away with and actually do then they're going to have a massive advantage yeah palmer said to marty after the game to fight for a championship as we want you need a deep squad and I think everybody that played stepped up. Marty, again, you did the game. That's what you want. I mean, he's going to say that. He's not going to say that publicly if he doesn't believe it. You know, obviously, he's not going to go out there and have a go at his players. But ultimately, he needs to be able to rely on these players. And they went out and delivered. Well, you mentioned Edmonton's a tough team to play against. I thought Taron Campbell was fantastic. And that's a player we'd love to see, as I wrote it, love to see him uh, perform that well at Starlight Stadium, considering it's 2019. And that's just another piece in the attacking what, maybe five or six uh, uh, pool of players that they have there that, again, he just steps up and, and scores and has the assist and look great. Um, yeah, the, the the depth is there. I know you want to talk about Marco Bustos. He he started and he played he's played every single game, not every single minute, right. um, but he just continues to be, to be the one uh, continuous piece, right? Yeah, he does, no doubt about it. You mentioned Terran Campbell, the 12th man on the team of the week this week, just didn't get in. Ollie and I went back really? and forth. Yeah, oh, it was tough. You'll see, it was a difficult one. We, we, you know, we were fighting over it a little bit, but you know, Ollie and I don't, Ollie and I don't fight. But you know, um, Brady, your thoughts on this Pacific team right now as they top the table through 11 games? Yeah, I think honestly, like we, we spoke so much about the depth, but I think a big part of the reason they're able to rotate, even even though this result did slip away from them, I think. They have as defined a system as any team in this league right now. I think their squad really has a, a really clear understanding of what of what Paul wants to do. And obviously, Marco is a big part of that. That's why he's retained week in, week out. But the way that they've, they've been able to change players in, and, and like you said, the quality not not dipping is, is obviously impressive. I think I, I recall in their home opener against Calvary, you know, around the hour mark, the, there was a bit of a lull, and you can bring Ollie Bassett, Matthew Baldismo and Josh Hurd on the bench for that second win. I don't think any team in the league is is looking forward to to them, you know, to see out the final half hour. And so, like like you said, eight eight changes is a lot of turnover. It's probably not sustainable, but it's a sign that you know we're we're not going to rely on eleven guys. We're gonna we're gonna lean on this full group down the stretch. Benedict, any kind of issues you have with this team at all? Is there any way you can you can get at them? Because the goals were avoidable, and we talk about their depth going forward. Maybe they, although Samaki's been great again, they, do they have enough depth at the back? Is that kind of a weak link, or what are you what are you looking at in terms of improvement against obviously a, a, a mouth watering top of the table clash midweek against Cavalry? I think they're going to want to get uh, Thomas Melier Jaguar back and, and firing all cylinders. I think that that's going to be a big thing is to get some depth at the back. But uh, I think they are looking like the strongest team in the league at the moment and deserve really the top of the table. And as well, playing at home with the fans is obviously helping them as well. That's true. They have they have had a good schedule in terms of coming out of the bubble, and, and that's taken advantage of that. So things will even themselves out. They are not at home midweek. They travel to Calgary to play Cavalry, who are just one point back through 11 games, 20 points. They come off back-to-back wins again at home, 2-1 over FC Edmonton. They were down in that game and came back with two goals in the second half from key players as well. Dan Klomp got the winner. Joe Mason got the equalizer. 1-0 win on Sunday over Valor. I did the game on one soccer. The come-on match of the week uh it was a strange game marty thompson i think you're on this one as well a game that i think cavalry had a lot of control over although valor certainly had a right and rob gale said after the game that they felt like they're in the game as well but maybe just one that shows that cavalry's got that maturity to see out games at the moment Marty. yeah you know after the game tommy talking about obviously keeping pace at the top of the table and he said riding the peloton 
uh, to describe how he was keeping pace. And that game, uh, watching it, made me feel like I was riding a Peloton. Uh, it was, uh, or or how I imagine it to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was a it was a very strange game. You're right, um, but Cavalry just found that little slight window towards goal, frankly, that they had with Mo Farsi. Uh, a great feed from Sergio Camargo on that play. And it was really, as as Rob Gale pointed out, it was really just a miscue at the back where they brought on Tony McHale and he just wasn't, uh, really wasn't in tune to that role just for the first, I think it was like a minute or two. Yeah. Um, and then that that made that space. Yeah, strange game, but I mean, it, it's it's maybe something that we could expect from Cavalry. You know, I think they've won four from five. You know, they just find ways to win these games because they have all of those different make, difference makers um, up up near the top of the pitch, right? Yeah, and we saw Novak and Mason in the game, which was I thought was fascinating to see how yeah. they're going to work together. We haven't seen that really from the start yet. Mason kind of played a little bit deeper. Novak was kind of that reference point as a nine, but you know Mason looks like the kind of player that just wants to get involved in the game. I don't think he's a traditional 10. He is still a nine, but he wants to get there, win the second balls. That is a dangerous partnership. It's <laughs> worth trying to figure out how it could work. Right. right. It's worth trying it out. Yeah, I agree with you. I, 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 we were talking during the, the game with Gareth and Ollie on One Soccer. Like, if they're playing a big playoff game this week and you've got everybody back, are those two playing? And if so, where are they playing? You know, what is their best 11 yeah. right now? I, I don't think they're anywhere near that. I mean, we've got, you know, this is a great team that's flying high. But still no Mason Trafford. Tom Field at left back isn't there, which is why they went out and got some more help. Escalante playing left back. Ben Fisk coming in. You know, they've got injuries. Ali Moussi. You've got Joe Di Chiara. You've got, you know, Minitel mm-hmm. still not there. I'm missing a couple of others. Richard Luca. You know, you go on and on. The depth in this team, Benedict, is uh, pretty scary at this point. And uh, to talk about riding the peloton. They're just riding their bike, chilling, <laughs> and drinking some water. They haven't even stepped up going to second gear yet. Yeah, I think like like Pacific, they may be missing one one piece at the back, maybe as a bit of depth. But I, I think Cavalry are arguably the deepest team in this league. I think, especially in attack, like every single player on that team could be a starter in this league. And um, I, I think that's that's a very scary prospect if you're looking towards the end of the season and they can sort of rotate and mix it up a bit, like we saw teams do in 2019, heading towards the playoffs. Like we could we could see them do that again and kind of just keep playing different formations and and uh, let Tommy decide what his best formation is and. Maybe not show us what it is. There is an element of game management, Brady, that they're just going through here, that they just find a way to to, to, to operate in these games. It was interesting, the midweek game against Edmonton, the first half, for those that saw it, was not good. They were nowhere near at the level they should have been. It was the home opener. I know there's a lot of other energy going around that they're trying to do a little bit too much. And uh, Tommy Wilton Jr. said that he gave, he really went into them at halftime. It'd be interesting to see that kind of fly-on-the-wall camera action. Uh, but he really did go into a halftime and got a reaction. And then it didn't seem like they needed a reaction on Sunday. Just They know how to just go, you know, again, just see it over the line in these, in these moments, Brady. Yeah, and it's, it's interesting that they did come back and win because this team's been so hot and cold and so sometimes reliant on that first goal. I mean, they we've, we've talked about all the attacking options they have, but they've been shut out, I think, in five of their 10 or 11 games now. It's 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 an interesting way. So sometimes they'll pop off for three or four, and then they have four-game stretch mm-hmm. in the bubble where they were unable to score. And I think mm-hmm. a little bit, a part of that is, you know, like you said, a lack of continuity. It's it's fantastic to have a bunch of options, but, you know, if if you were pressed to pick an 11 for a final tomorrow, could you do it? It's 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 an interesting kind of balance to, to find. You know, getting guys a, a rest here and there, but also once you do get into a, a one and done playoff, you know, knowing who who's going to start the game. 
we talk about those playoffs. When it comes to big games, you need big players in big moments. And I think they've got them. Klomp's immense. Norman is growing big time, Charlie. And Mason's mm-hmm. movement is exceptional. It's great to see him back-to-back games, get the 90 minutes to, to, to a point where quite close to nine minutes um, and just show what he can do in a team like this because he's got his goal. He got one goal, but he looks like a real player at this level, Charlie, Joe Mason. Yeah, Joe Mason was definitely probably the player at least I was most excited about seeing this season. And now that he's with Cavalry, he's starting to get more involved. We're starting to get little glimpses of why, because he's, he's very good with his feet. You can tell that he's one of those players who just knows where the net is, mm-hmm. for lack of a better explanation. It's kind of that uh, that Danny Ng sort of thing, where uh, yes. he just okay, he just knows where the net is, and he knows you know who's around it. So if he gets on the ball in the box, he can turn and shoot quite quickly, or he can find the open man. And he's just always kind of looking to to make it make make this this play kind of the most threatening possible. He's not really looking to play it back and hold it up and and reset. He's looking to go at the net as much as possible, and it's really fun. He's a really exciting player. And you can just tell, you know, the experience he has and the levels he's played at. You can tell that he has just so much quality. And and I think that he's kind of settling into this team well. And he feels good, you know, beside these players that, you know, if, if you've played at a high level, sometimes you come into come into another team and you're you feel like maybe you don't settle in with the teammates as quickly as as you might. You you know, aren't necessarily trusting them yet to, to pass him. But I don't think that's that's been the case with Joe Mason, who seems to really be working with, you know, these other players quite well with these little one-twos and and just his movement off the ball. It's, it's really, really been a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he looks like a real player at this level, no doubt. Um, in the pregame show, we had a feature of him on One Soccer, and he called himself a, he called himself a fox in the box. And, that, you know, that's uh, very true, I think. Um, also in that pregame show, shout out to our own Marty Thompson, who put together a great piece with Latoria and Akio, the brothers, and they did get on the pitch. So that was a little bit of nice history in the second half as the substitutes came on. And, and I think they became the second set of brothers to play against each other yeah. in the same game after the Polisi brothers. That's right, isn't it, gents? Yeah. Yes, I yeah. believe that the Zebbies were close last year, but I think Bruno was hurt when Allen was one of, when it was one of them came yeah. off before the other one came in. Yes. Last oh, yeah, so yeah, it yeah, was the right. Polices earlier this year. Police yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We fantastic close, stuff. But... Talking of Valor, fourth straight loss, first team in the Canadian Premier League in 2021 to lose four games in a row. They are the only team in 2021 in the Canadian Premier League to have two three-game winning streaks as well. So from the highs <laughs> to the real lows right now for Valor. Um, narrow losses, 2-1 at Pacific in midweek, where they really coughed up a bad goal in the 89th minute for Bustos to get the header. A game they probably did not deserve to lose based on the performance. And we just discussed how close this one as well. So fine lines right now, Charlie. A positive or a concern with Rob Gale's team? I See, I'm not, I'm not sure on this one because I think Obviously, you you lose four games in a row. You're very concerned, but yeah, yeah. You just, you just look at the performances and you think, you know, if if anything happens differently in any of these games, maybe they they have another goal. Maybe they don't concede one of them. Uh, I I think I think that there's not that much to really criticize about this team yet. Um, they certainly have looked like they maybe haven't had that same sort of sort of fire since coming out of the bubble. They've been a, a little bit a little bit different. And I know it's it's quite a different transition for them. Uh, and that's, that's been a little bit tough, but yeah, 
yeah, it's it's not it's it's not really something that I'm I've been able to to put my finger on with with what exactly is the problem. I mean, I know that a few different players have kind of rotated through the lineup. They're also obviously dealing with with lots of injury issues. But you know, you just look at the players on the pitch and you kind of think that really they should be in an okay place because they've got, you know, two center backs that can play together now with Romeo and and Reyes and that means that Stefan Sabara is allowed to play his actual preferred position which should be a huge help brett levi's has been back i mean i mean and, and so on and so forth so i think really you you look for them to to maybe start start just finding that that kind of edge again they haven't maybe been penetrating as much as they they were in a bubble austin ricci has maybe taken a slight dip in form mm. just i'm not maybe it's maybe it's the service or 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 whatever that is um but we all know that these are very talented players, and this is a team that we've seen some of the best football in the league from this year. And I think I think it'll it'll just take a, a little bit of time, I think, to maybe readjust, take a deep breath, calm down. It's okay. And I think I think they'll they'll be all right. They they've got one more road game on this trip, I think, in Edmonton, and then they're back at IG Field, and I think they'll start to feel a little bit more comfortable. Yeah, that's when we probably will see the more valor, the, 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 the valor that we expect to see. You talk about players back, Arnold Bukamutu got his first start at left back as well, a big player for them. Uh, but Marty, as someone who spent over a month in the bubble, how would you be feeling right now if you then had to spend more time in a hotel like these guys have had to do in terms of going out on the road again? Uh, because I spoke to Rob Gale this weekend and he was telling me he's just had sick in the, almost sick of the sight of seeing the hotels. They're never home. And although they were home and had that slight advantage during the bubble, they weren't in their own home seeing their own family. And here they are on the road again to speak to Charlie's point. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> it, it, you can tell in the results. I think, you know, Daryl Fordyce speaking after the game last night uh, mentioned that, you know, they've gone to a, a couple of different places in the CPL, right? Starlight Stadium, we've talked about, you know, we obviously talked about Echo Field, but at the same time, you know, what did he say? He's like, when we were home, we were ourselves and we've just got to knuckle down and get through this and get home. I think that's totally the case. I don't think there's any cause for concern. You know, this is a, this is an extremely difficult circumstance to be essentially on the living in hotels for, yeah, I guess that'd be close to what, six or seven weeks. That might be a record across, uh, across uh, sport in Canada and, and maybe North America as a whole. Um, but at the end of the day, like you just got to get through it. It's like, like Charlie said, it's only one more game. And then I think they're going to be okay considering where they are in the standings. Last word on Valor before we get to Brady and Forge. Benedict, the one thing I would say about them is that we know that they have, you know, they, they don't have the star power that some other teams do. Lots of reasons for that. Financial investment, different things. They've done a great job. They are a true collective team and they win games as a team. Benedict, the only thing I would say, and I don't know what your thoughts are on this, is that in games like that, where they just narrowly lost two games in a week, that difference maker that we're talking about that other teams have, and we just talked about what Cavalry's depth is with Mason and getting a goal with Klomp, and we've talked about Bustos, and Alleman's hurt, so maybe he can be that linchpin, but they are a very young team. Uh, that's what they're lacking at the moment, and that might be what the likes of York, Edmonton, you know, certainly Halifax are saying. This could be the reason why we're able to catch this team. Your thoughts, Ben? Yeah, I think maybe that difference maker was was their center back Andrew Jean Baptiste as well. He was especially on the defensive end. He was winning every set piece it seemed like in in the bubble. And then I think that's that's something that they're missing. Uh, as we saw with the Pacific game midweek, uh, they made a big defensive mistake at the back, and, and that cost them. And, and Rob Gill keeps saying they're laying up uh, sloppy goals with the with the phrase he used. And I think uh, that that's something that they need to sort of 
uh, take control of. And I think also part of the reason why there's not cause for concern for this team is uh, it is a losing streak. But I think as I said with Easton and Garo, and like when you score, goals will continue to come. I think it's the, it's the opposite way as well. Like when you lose, sometimes it maybe gets in your head and maybe kind of lose a couple of games in a row for making these sloppy mistakes. And I think once they sort of get a win under their belt, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, good point about John Baptiste. Rocco Romeo stepped in and done well. He got he did get the goal midweek. Something to keep an eye on. He's quite aggressive. He steps into the play, and a lot of times that he actually joined the attack a few times, but a couple of times he's getting he does get caught out a little bit, and that was the case on the Farsi goal as well. It wasn't necessarily his fault, but stepping in and then getting turned to get behind him. But you know, just starting off, right? He needs a little bit of time to get used to everything, but he could be a decent player at this level, no doubt. And and, and I think Valor need him to be. Um, fourth and the last place in the standings right now for the playoff spots are Forge. A difficult week for them, particularly in terms of results lost at home to York United. I was there on Wednesday night. A strange game uh, where they lost a key player early in the game. Alex- Alexander Ashinori Janssen had tons of chances, missed a penalty. It was a celebration atmosphere back in the stands for the first time since 2019, but lost to a goal by one goal to nil there. But then came out on Sunday, Brady, this was your game, 2-0 win over Atletico Ottawa. A day of celebration where they raised their banners and then went out and parted on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's just a, I don't want to not give Forge credit here, but it was it was a little bit of a game where Ottawa kind of determined the result on their own. Like some, some very, very important mistakes. Obviously, the the opening goal comes through the penalty. It just looked like there was a little bit of frustration from some of their attacking players. Ryan Telfer was was dropping really deep to get involved, and then unfortunately, he seemed to have fouled Borges. It was it was it was a tough one for me. It was a, it was a forwards tackle, if you will, and and it's 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 one nothing, right? And then they get one again on a set piece a couple moments later. And like Bobby said, you know, set pieces are are kind of a representation of of what we do in open play. We're getting rewarded for for some good build, and I think that that, that was fair enough. And then you know, before halftime, now you're down down a man. BT Martinez sort of just loses his cool, and 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 now you're you're chasing the champions. You're down a man. You're down two goals. It's 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 always going to be an uphill battle, but. No, full full credit to Forge. They've got to obviously have a big game in El Salvador on Thursday. And Bobby said, you know, we're trying to find that balance between overlooking that and 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 kind of you know keeping an eye on some minutes. So they were able to get a rest for for Becker, Babuli, and, and get some young players some minutes at the end. I think at the end of the day, that was just about a perfect result for them. Mobabuli with the penalty. Tristan Borges missed one in midweek. Five penalties they've scored now this yeah. season. They only have 12 goals through 11 games. Wow. You can do the math, people. That's five penalties out of the 12. Becker scored three goals out of individual brilliance. Doesn't leave a lot of other goals that's come out of anything in terms of forward finishes at the moment. Is that a concern, Marty? And it's clear um, that the answer to the question about Tristan Borges still missing something is yes at this point, not himself. Yeah, I, I won't repeat what he said in the press conference uh, after the game against York. Uh, he, he let out, he let out a, a was a not happy. He, yeah, he was not happy, and we can talk a little bit about that York game because I think that was the perfect. And Christian, you were there. That was the perfect distillation of what I think is Forge's biggest issues right now. I think their expected goals were closer to to three they had unbelievable chances. You mentioned the Babuli missed penalty. Um, they they looked fantastic going forward. They they created a ton of chances. It just wasn't there. And when I asked Tristan after, you know, is, is this a confidence thing? He said it's not. And I think that's a good thing going down to going down to Central America and playing in Concacaf League. But it just says that you know it just like it just seems a bit rusty. It just doesn't seem like they've they've got that 
that little that little thing clicking uh, in in the attacking third, which again I think is going to be the big issue with this team going forward. Which is crazy to say when they have the attacking pieces that they do. Not scoring a ton of goals, but don't look now. Three points off the top of the table through eleven yes. games oh, yeah. and not oh, even yeah. playing that well. Oh, ben they're fine. Knicks. They're fine. That's that, that's a good place to be. No, Ben. Yeah, definitely. I think I think Rusty's the best way to describe it. As Marty said, I think they they they're making the chances. They just need to start finishing them, and when they do, they're gonna shoot right up to the top. I think. Charlie, what are your thoughts on Forge? Great to see Alexander Ashnor Jonsson back after he obviously dizzy spells in that first game midweek. And as I wrote, I think he was an enormous loss in that match. When he, Cissé, and Becker are playing, uh, find me a better midfield in the Canadian Premier League because I can't find one. Charlie. Yeah, he's Jonsson's, Jonsson's a huge player for this team. And I, we, it was definitely concerning to see him go down getting hit in the head because we know he, he had those concussion issues in 2019. So... Mm-hmm. You really hope that that he's okay, and it, it looks like he is. But yeah, this this Forge team is still missing quite a few important pieces as well, right? I mean, I mean, Daniel Kritzen is you know also one of the best defenders in the league, and he's not there. Um, you know, there's there's just so many pieces of this team. I mean, that are that are they're missing Chris Nanko as well is an important one, and I think that. They have done quite well with with you know the circumstances. Uh, Borges very clearly, I, I, he's probably not a hundred percent healthy either. There's, there's something something really really amiss there. But um, yeah, I, and I think I think again, I think if if you were to ask Forge, they'd say yeah. Given all of the circumstances and and all, everything we've been through, uh, with barely ever having you know enough players to fill a bench, uh, they'd probably be be reasonably happy with you know, how things have shaken out. They've, I think all they've got to do is kind of keep themselves in position to, you know, stay in the hunt for the, for the playoff spots for that top four. And they absolutely have done that so far. And, you know, this is, this is Forge FC. We're talking about, they can win a single game against anybody. And I I think that's probably how they would be looking at it right now. They just have to, they just have to make sure that they stay in the hunt. Which they are. Yeah, shout out quickly to Mo Babuli, who finds goals at crucial moments. Think about this. Then they lost the first two games of the season, and against Pacific, they were against the ropes in the third game, and Babuli got a goal in the 70th minute that calmed everyone down. That was what I would call a true 1 0 goal. He scored the only goal against Edmonton, a penalty, which was a true 1 0 goal. He got the 1 0 goal against York in the home opener for them, which was the only goal of the game. And then again, stepping up when he needed to, scoring big goals in big moments. Where would they be without him? Uh, that's a big moment to talk about as well. So credit to Babuli at the moment, really helping Forge get some of these crucial points up to fourth. In fifth, was the team that defeated them in midweek. We have to talk about York United in great detail here. What a week it has been for them. On the road, they go to the champions and get the, a real gutsy win. They get on, go down to 10 men and still pull it out with a win at Forge. And then in Halifax, come from behind to win a dramatic five-goal thriller uh, by three goals to two in this one. Uh, Benedict, Jim Brennan was very happy after the game on Monday. And why wouldn't he be? What a Sorry, on Saturday, what a terrific performance that was. He, he said, quote, great overall performance by everybody. And watching it, that's what I felt. We really saw a collective effort from York this week. Yeah, he also said uh, this team has the believe they have the ability to get results against anybody. And I think that, that's definitely what they showed as well. I think from top to bottom, everyone looked up for the challenge and they went down twice and, and kept fighting and, and kept getting back into the game. And then eventually late in the game, the 
brilliant passing play, working out from the back, and Dede and Abzi going down, but jumping straight back up again and finding the cross into the lower right to score the winner. And so this team just really wanted to win, and, and they made it happen. Yeah, I thought it was a great win for youthful enthusiasm because they, they looked, quite honestly, in the first half, they looked done. You know, they played in Hamilton midweek. They'd already played. It was their third game in eight days. They had to fly out there again. There were not a lot of rotation, some injuries that are keeping key players. And I'm watching this, and Halifax is storming them in the first half. And I'm like, oh, boy, this is going to be tough. And then they dug deep, and then they dug deeper, and then they followed a way to win the game. And, you know, I liked Abzi at left back. I thought he was tremendous again. I like him at that position a little bit better than further forward. Um, I want to give you guys opportunities to talk about what you like about this, but shout out to Max Ferrari, who, what a week this boy had. Different positions, anywhere he wanted to play, left back, right back, central midfield, go further forward, play wide, can defend in one-on-one situations, technically very good, and just got the goal. Just seems like that player will say, get on my back, lads, I'm going to push you through this. Um, my... Uh, Marty, what do you think about York in terms of how they got it through this? Because they grew up in front of our eyes this week. Yeah, uh, Humber grad. Shout out to, to Max Ferrari. Uh, he was uh, no, I mean he, he's nice. been he's Represent. been fantastic. Yes, yeah, he's been fantastic. Um, it, it, maybe just pulling it back to that game against Forge, they defended uh, quite drastically to, to save that result. And something Dom Sator said after the game was that you know this team fights for each other they work very much as a unit. And I think you could see that against Halifax as well. Um, they, they do work quite cohesively. And, and maybe that is because there's that, that youthful streak with, mm. you know, Cedric Toussaint is obviously there, Ferrari. Uh, there's that youthful streak, Lowell Wright obviously scoring the winner. Uh, there, there is something that, there is a little bit of continuity in this team that I think people aren't talking about. And that keeps showing itself, right? I mean, it, two wins two wins this week, it, it shows itself quite clearly. Yeah, that's all was tremendous. All we I'm in both games. Yeah. Great to see him yeah. playing, by the way, because he could have missed that game. And uh, you know, worthy member of the Gatorade team of the week this week. Uh, Brady, you were there uh, yeah. at the game. We're going to get into more details of your thoughts on Halifax shortly. But what did you think of watching it live this York this York showing? Uh, yeah, honestly, obviously, I was uh, I was in the kitchen. So I, when I when I suggested it was a good game for the neutral, they weren't really buying that. But I mean. <laughs> <laughs> five five goal thriller the sun was out i mean I, I was certainly enjoying it and you know one of the one of the home supporters did actually say to me though like what what an advertisement for the league to have you know three kids from the york region under the age of 21 scoring goals and you could see what it meant to them like the celebrations down in the corner was was just incredible like low rights on the on the field for five minutes and i know you mentioned that i left back like he had to be very patient in this game he didn't have a lot of opportunities to push up they they defending corner and he sees an opportunity to sneak up the field. He gets that one chance and they, they get the winner. It's an unbelievable touch from from Lowell in the box. Like very Lukaku esque with his back to goal. Great touch, great strength, and and he, and he finishes there. And no, this team is is a lot of fun. They looked like they were having fun out there. Like you mentioned, some of these young guys, Johnston, Verhoeven. Like they just looked like they they really enjoyed playing in front of this Halifax crowd and and, and silencing them. So I mean. Like I said, do we have all these local players, these young players who are, are, are kind of figuring it out right in front of us, kind of growing up? As you said, it's 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 a treat to watch. Yeah, when I watch young players like this, we're going to get to right in a second, Charlie, with you. But you know, for me, I, I look for different attributes and i think in games like this when you don't have a ton of the ball i want toughness i don't want you to surrender and you know i already talked about ferrari johnston for me is that kind of player as well as like just stays in games he's just one moments find him and he drives teams forward and he's you know for me a, a, an enormous difference maker for this team in midfield right now but you mentioned the lowell right winner mm -hmm. 
you, you know, you talk about Lukaku. It's the kind of thing as a 17-year-old player when he scores a goal like that that makes people and teams, scouts, anybody pick up their phone and text people. Right, Charlie? Because that's what this league's about, is it yes. not? 17 years old, comes on. By the way, I think Jim Brennan and the team has managed him well by not giving him a lot of minutes here because it, at the end of the bubble, he, he'd played a lot of a lot of minutes and looked a little bit exhausted. Mm-hmm. They've managed him better, came on, was fresher, and then the way he posted up and turned that defender and then was able to put, score that goal. 17 years old, as I said, that's what we want in this league, isn't it, Charlie? Yeah, it absolutely is, and I, I think... You're probably right that that I, I'm not sure how long Lowell Wright is going to be in this league, <laughs> to be completely honest, because he is he is really something special. Um, I just to to have that kind of maturity in front of goal at, at that age is just so impressive. And I mean, I mean, the way that he's able to kind of make an impact whenever he comes into the game, if it's if it's off the bench or from the start, he's definitely a player that you know York York's kind of York, York seems to sort of focus a lot of its attack around when he's on the pitch. And I think it works out really well for them uh, a lot of the time because he's just, you know, such a presence in the box and he's, he's quite an easy guy to find because he'll, he's very good at, at finding that space and, and getting himself open. Then he's just so good with his feet that he can kind of get around defenders and hold them off to, to look for, for where the finish is. Uh, and, and it's just, it's just really remarkable to see that from such a young player. The other thing quickly on me, on this for York is, I don't know what you guys think about this, is that, do you remember in the bubble when they played Valor and Valor had a few fans there and they scored that goal and they all went to the fans and shushed them? And, and, we, were, and we were like, oh, isn't it great to have fans? In the, and now they went to Forge and shushed them. And now they went to Halifax and shushed them. I think they actually revel in it. I think they love it. Them young, them young oh, yeah. players, they they love that, you know. And I think that that might help them going on the road in these in, in these moments because, first of all, a lot of these young players have got a bit of a chip on the shoulder anyway. Some of the, we've all got that story in any of our professional life. But some of them have told them, "Sorry, you're not going to make it to where you want to go." Some of them have got a path, different path that they can still make it there and believe, and they've got a lot to prove. And when they go in these environments, Brady, that you had, you felt what it was like. They they delivered, and it doesn't get much better than going to Halifax and, and quieting in that crowd. Yeah, and we talked a little bit about Isaiah and, and his performance overall, but you know, obviously scored the, the the big goal and again celebrated like it was his own supporters, but the, they weren't exactly uh, on the same side. But that the, one of the great little things I caught, I don't know if this was on the broadcast or not, but he he went off with an injury with about ten minutes left, and there was a little bit of a peanut gallery from the suites, and he's just blown he's blown a couple of uh, suits uh, a kiss as he's walking off. He's a Cape Breton guy. He's <laughs> Cape Breton guys from the area, you could tell, you know, he was, I think he was the first York player on the field. Like he was really up for this one, but no, I mean, when he, when he got his goal, uh, of course, anytime you score a goal, you're happy, but yeah, you can see like he, he, this wasn't an improvised celebration. He had this one. He had this one in the back pocket for sure. Good for him. Another York yeah. member on our Gatorade uh, team of the week. Uh, let's yeah. move on. FC Edmonton, sixth in the table, 12 points from 10 games. Uh, a little bit of an up and down season for them. Uh, only one point from two games this week. 2-1 loss at Cavalry after they let them back in the game. 2-2 draw at Pacific after they somehow got back in the game. Uh, Marty, you're on that one. Your overall thoughts so far, not the results that they wanted, but certainly decent performances for Alan Koch's team. Yeah, I, we're still taking names for Ongaro and Worcesteski, are we? We are, yeah. Twin okay. Towers is kind of thrown out there, but I, yeah. I, I want something else. I think, I think like the something, well, something that's scarier because these two guys just sort of sit there and wait and wait, and they find a way to score in all of these games. You know, even talk about the Cavalry one. We'll, we'll do that in a bit. But the you know, Eddie that was, Krugers. 
That's a good one. Oh boy. <laughs> okay, so so there's two. Yeah, okay. Hold on. So there's two of them. The Eddie Krugers. Eddie Krugers. Yeah, no, that's really good. The Eddie yeah. Krugers. All right, okay. we're sticking with it. So the so the Eddie Krugers uh in <laughs> in the Pacific game. No, I mean like it it they don't we really don't have to stay. You don't have to stick with it. I just came up with it, but let's see if it's let's see no, people like it. We'll see. I, I think I think they will. I don't see why not. I don't see why not. They are um, scary. It's a good one, a good shout from you. Well, because you know, just just imagine trying to defend East Nongaro on your heels. And that was something that we saw with that Pacific team where like both of those players combined and, you know, Tobias has some incredible movement is something that we've already sort of noted on the show. But, you know, the way that they can just sort of keep everyone on their toes and keep everyone, frankly, quite scared of of of, of giving up a result was really just showing a Pacific, right? Like maybe one or two defensive errors, to, depending on, on how you look at it. But like... A, a, frankly some very underrated finishing especially the one that was uh especially the one that was basically at the byline for Worcester. Right so right so point. like and it and 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 it's the same thing against calvary i know i know that at midweek you know they were up one nil for those who didn't watch it it looked pretty good for them but they obviously just sort of wilted and there were definitely some more chances that ongaro could have finished but at the end of the day if i'm fc edmonton if i'm alan Koch, i just need these guys to score once just give me one goal and hopefully things work out. I think that the defensive side has been, I mean, not a great week considering that they gave up four goals, but I think we all know that there's a lot of promise there, right? Yeah, there's a developing trend here that yeah, there's a lot of defensive mistakes against them that they're taking advantage of. Yeah. That's not a coincidence. No. You know, you know, when you watch Burnley, for example, they force teams to make mistakes consistently because of their their own twin towers and actually Barnes and Chris Wood. And by the way, Wojciechowski's got a lot of Chris Wood in him. He's got yeah. very soft feet, very good, with, yeah. good on the ball. Uh, and that, Charlie, is something to be said about this FC Edmonton team. They're direct, they go at you, and they know that the teams will sometimes wilt under pressure as defenders you better be ready for these boys absolutely absolutely it's definitely by design that you know they're they're going to have those two just just absolute handful of a pair of strikers uh just bearing down on you for almost the whole game and and i think you can see it in defenders when they try to play out of the back they're they're maybe rushing things a little bit and they're they're kind of feeling that pressure and and Maybe it even gets in your head a little bit because you know that if you make a mistake in that situation, you're probably going to be punished quite severely for it because uh, these are just two players that are just so hungry for the ball. They just want to find it and they want to, to really you know hunt you down when you're a defender with the ball. And it's, it is really you know a, a, very, a very exciting element to this FC Edmonton team because, I mean, in, in recent years when it was just Ongaro up top, he'd have elements of that. But now that there's these two just fantastic strikers kind of doing it together at the same time. There's just so much more for a defense to handle. And they just, it, it, it seems like uh, more often than not, they're going to struggle with it. And I think it's going to be really exciting to see just how, how teams can maybe adapt to that because I, I don't know necessarily how you kind of stop that. Yeah, great point. They also, are, you know, just look at the other end of the pitch as well. They are very defensively sound, and I think that's the key to success, that they can stay in games and get these boys to score goals. They'll be disappointed with the way they gave up the goals. Tim Queer, again, uh, you know, a, a mistake fell for him because he's, he's had a tough season so far. Um, Marty, again, at this game that you did, the Pacific game, that's got to be the message, is it not, for Alan Koch to say that I, I, I look at this team and I think, you know, if you back a team who's going to get a clean sheet in, in any game, you'd think that this would be right near the top of your list. And, and, and I've been saying it for a couple of weeks and it, maybe, maybe I'm being like a dead horse, but you know, if you can just keep this team, this, this defensive unit playing the way that we know it can, then you can get results anywhere in this league. Right. Considering, considering the combination 
situation that they have. Yeah, I mean the the Tem Guia mistake was was obviously disappointing. I'm curious how if they if they do any make, make any changes at the back because yeah, this this formula does work. Um, but yeah, I mean, if, if this, if, if the defense can work a lot better than it did against specific, unfortunately, I mean, obviously undone by Taron Campbell there in a great play, uh, as well on the assist to Pelosi's goal, um, they can get results anywhere. Uh, one quick question about the Eddie Kruger though, if you don't mind, just before we move on, do we, when I, when I Photoshop it, do I put both heads in the striped sweater or do I do two Freddy Krueger? Two headed monster. No, I mean, I think that's, you need oh. two heads in the same sweater. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Good uh, to know. Marty's all over this. I love it. I love to see that. Like, this is the newsroom podcast. We're developing storylines. The mind is going already. He's, go. dying, he's dying for this to end so he can go put his creative wizardry on something. I can see it already. I'm just Don't taking worry, a Marty. t-shirt. We only got like five minutes left. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll let you draw. We'll let you draw on your notepad for the next five minutes, and I'll lean heavily on Brady and Benedict for Halifax here because I know they're all <laughs> over that. Uh, Benedict, you're all over this game. Brady, you were there. Let's go to you, Benedict, first. Halifax, eleven points from ten games. Uh, they continue to be, quite frankly, a lot of people I speak to in the league. Everyone's darling pick for some kind of comeback through the standings are going to be fine, but they need to start winning. And when you have a game against York at home 2-1 with a packed crowd in front of the beautiful sunshine and you don't get anything from it, that is a major disappointment. What went wrong here for Halifax, Ben? Yeah, I think they, just, they kind of switched off a bit, maybe. Um, also, maybe fatigue, maybe setting in with this team, I think. They have a lot of injuries at the moment. Might, might not be, uh, obviously, to their advantage. Um, I think as, as these bodies start to come back, it, it'll be better for Halifax. Peter Chalet came back in, in the second half. Uh, Jeremy Gagnon and Laparay as well came back. Uh, but I think as as they start to get bodies back, uh, they'll, they'll be able to sort of rest guys a bit more and maybe able to stay in games a bit longer. I think, I think fatigue kind of kicked in and, and York, a very young York team, sort of took advantage of that. Yeah, crucial players back, crucial pillars for this team. Stephen Hart said afterwards about Jean Morelli, who scored again. That's what he does. Quote, he's a composed player, a good finisher, but some of the other players need to step up and lighten the load. We can't depend on him because then we become a very predictable team. Very poignant words there, Brady, on what this team needs to do and a bit of a message to others to start saying we need more in the attack, no? Yeah, I mean, obviously it's great to, to get the contributions you're getting from Morelli, but it's not really his role on this team. He's more of a facilitator and uh, a number 10, right? Obviously, you know, Akeem Garcia has, has struggled to get up to speed. Uh, I don't know if it's a, a fitness thing, a confidence thing, but he's just not he's not 100% right now, unfortunately. And then, you know, they, with regards to other opportunities to, to – contributed on the flanks Corey Bent's been really good but again more of a more of a, a crosser a, a setup guy and then obviously we've spoke about Steph Kirich on this podcast a bunch of times like mm. he's just got to get that first one I don't think they ended up giving him credit I think Jake Ruby got the first goal it looked like he might have got a touch from from my angle but you know he's a guy who just needs to get one we've talked about how confidence is and, and, and the people can be so streaky when it comes to you know finishing I think they, they need to find somebody to help Schwab out here because He's had a fantastic season, but uh, they, they're going to need more up front, like you said. Quickly, before we get to Ottawa, Benedict, a word on Ruby and Dona. Ruby makes the team of the week this week. Their fullbacks are amongst the best in the league, Benedict. Yeah, definitely. I think I named uh, Jake Ruby my man of the match as well. I think he, he offensively and defensively, he was, was a master class for him, I think. And, and Maury Dona, we've seen all season the quality he has on the right side. Um, yeah, I think, I think Ruby in particular in this game, I think that was maybe a breakout game for him to sort of prove that he he should be starting maybe at left back and maybe, maybe that allows you to move Corey Bent a bit higher up the pitch as you've seen him drop back a bit into into a full back position sometimes. So 
uh, that's a very welcome performance, I think, for sure, Stephen Hart. Credit's worth, credit's due, no question. Good decision on the man of the match, although, well, um, how do I say this? Please don't give man of the match awards for players who play five minutes. Um, uh, Atletico Ottawa, eighth in the table, seven points from 10 games. Uh, Tuna loss at Forge on Sunday. This was your game, Brady, as well. We talked a little bit about Forge here already. Here's Ottawa in a big week for them. Charlie, I'm going to get to you in a second because you're going to be all over this this week for them in celebration as they return home. A wonderful moment for them. And how do we go about improving that before we try and fix Ottawa with Charlie and others? Brady, uh, what is going on with this team? Meester, I think, said it best when he said, quote, I think we paid a very high price for the mistakes we made. And I thought that was accurate, not only for the game, but for the season so yeah. far, that in key moments, they just continue to pay a very high price for individual and, and lack of management in, in the game mistakes. Yeah, 100%. I think, like you said, it's been the theme, not just in that game. Obviously, the individual errors on the penalty and the red card are, are easy to see, but it's been lapses in concentration basically all year, as you say. They look they look organized for 85, 90 minutes almost, and then you make that one crucial error, and, and it's decisive. But... They, they haven't had a lot of continuity. They've had injuries. They've had a lot of new names come into the squad constantly trying to get up speed. We've seen, you know, Soto get some regular minutes, now Ulche in the lineup, but they, they really, they don't seem to really have an understanding yet. They don't have much of a fluidity up front. Um, obviously, it's nice to have Telfer back after the Gold Cup, but again, he's only played, I think, three or four games now. And as I mentioned, he, he seems to be just dropping deeper and deeper to get on the ball and then which is, you know, it's never good because there's there's no out, right? He's your target man. He's your guy you want highest up the field, and now and now he's, you know, he's he's frustrated. And I think, you know, obviously getting getting to go home is, is massive. We've talked a little bit about, you know, how hard it is like for teams like Valor who've been basically living out of a hotel. Milovan Kapoor, you mentioned after the game, he hasn't played a game of football where the fans were were cheering for him instead of booing him in two years when he was right. overseas. And I don't think that be uh, like overstated honestly it's, it's sometimes the little things and so saturday is going to be a big one for them and if they can get a win and they're in their first home game against the halifax team who is also going to be up for it i think that could be it has the potential to be a turning point for sure that's a great point uh there's a lot to like about this team on paper and then they go on the pitch and i get underwhelmed about them you know and i think that's so for me this you know we just got to wait to see where these players come maybe they need time maybe the time needs to be all season and maybe they need to bed in we're seeing the successful teams this season based on the fact that they've produced a lot of patience over the last couple of years so i know it's hard but they're 11 points back of a playoff spot charlie no panic button being pressed in an eight-team league with four making the playoffs yet. Uh, but if any panic button's close to being pressed, it's on this team ahead of what is an enormous game on Saturday. It doesn't get much bigger for them in a lot of regards, not only because of what's happening in terms of home opener, but results on the pitch are needed for Mises team. Yeah, they need to really start putting the results together as soon as possible. Yeah, I, I think you're right that there's no panic button just yet, but it, we're getting a little bit close. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I think I think that yeah that home opener almost for me is is a must win game for them at this point because you know as as we've said we've we know how much quality they've got on the team sheet there's just so much pedigree in a lot of these players and we've seen players like Ryan Telfer completely rip up the CPL before mm-hmm. and you know I I this is this is a team that that is definitely a work in progress and um a lot a lot of very different from last year and they really haven't managed to put it all together just yet but you would kind of hope 
to see to see maybe a little bit more from them by now, even can even considering the circumstances. I think just the attack, just given the names that are on the pitch there, it has been disappointing. Just that they haven't really had all that much fluidity or, or maybe direction in the attacking third that you might expect out of out of a team like this. So I think they really I think I think they have they have kind of some time here before that home opener. I think they probably use this week of training to just try and just try and get something clicking, just find something to work. And I think they've they can come out in that home opener on, on Saturday and maybe score early ideally. I know they scored early against Halifax, I think, last week. Or uh, but if they are, can come out strong, then that seems like a moment that could end up being their their turning point in the season. And we we sort of have seen it with with teams before. You know, they you just you win that one game and the loads off your shoulders. You take a deep breath. You feel so much better, and then you can turn it around. So I think that's kind of where this starts. Before we wrap up, um, a quick word away from the important result story is the fact that the game's just returning to Ottawa, Marty. You know, mm-hmm. that's just special. No, like it's it's been a while. I know they thought they were going to get there earlier, but here we go. And we know, was, you know, a lot of loyal fans and people love this sport in our nation's capital who listen to this show as well and get to go pay what you want, go in there, have a celebration. And that's a special day for Ottawa, right? Yeah, yeah, and 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 the pay what you want uh, initiative has has been incredibly well received in Ottawa, which has been great to see. Uh, yeah, I mean, fans in Ottawa, we talked about it even when this club was announced before the pandemic started, have already gone through the ringer uh, with losing a team and and not knowing if it would come back and coming back at such short notice. So, uh, shout out to all the dedicated fans in Ottawa. There are a ton of people there that are so dedicated and so into this and yeah they finally get to finally get to get to td place which is going to be great and then they have to play york so it sounds like york may be in there to try to shush the crowd again which might be might be sad keep an eye on it they're enjoying it no no doubt (laughs) short week uh, again as the games come flicking fast uh starting on wednesday top of the table clash a reminder please go to canpl.ca forward slash predictor where you can win prizes predict the scores and get a trip to the finals in november uh let's go through some quick predictions quickly randomly cavalry pacific doesn't get much bigger than that on wednesday benedict your thoughts on this game what's it going to be i'm gonna say 2-1 cavalry though we'll get closer to the top of the table the next day at th- on Thursday, by the way, that's seven o'clock local, nine o'clock Eastern on Wednesday. All games live on One Soccer. The next day on Thursday, still in Alberta, FC Edmonton take on Valor. Seven o'clock local, nine o'clock Eastern. Remember, you can get tickets for these games as well. Go out and support your local teams on Thursday. Marty, your thoughts on Edmonton Valor? Who's going to win this? Uh, I think I have to go two nil. Two goals from the Eddie Krugers, and they're both nice. wearing uh, striped sweaters. There you wow. go. Love it. He's inspired by his glory. The referee will allow them to wear something different just for (laughs) Charlie, you've got the game Ottawa Halifax. I know you're all over this one. What do you think for for the home opener on Saturday? Ottawa going to do it. I think they're going to do it. I'm going to give them, I'm going to give them two nil. Just a, just a big, big homecoming celebratory win. There you go. And a reminder, the Canadian championships are back on Sunday. Yeah. Uh, FC Edmonton take on Cavalry in another Al Classico. Brady, you get the last word. Who's getting through in the Canadian championship? Ed- Edmonton or Cavalry? Who do you think? I know that the Eddie Cougars have been a, a big theme in this podcast, but I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Cavalry advancing. 
There we go. Cavalry on scared of the Eddie Krugers. <laughs> we'll leave it right there. Thanks for everyone for listening. Enjoy the games. They come thick and fast. And a reminder, canpl.ca, all of our news, all of our previews and, re- and, and lots of analysis. These boys do a great job on there. Please continue to read and support. Thanks to all your help on reading those this week. And thanks for watching the games and listening.